Hey everyone! In case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy to follow Jesus in 2021. How can we stay grounded in our faith? Stay true to biblical convictions? And how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Christian Talk. What direction is your life heading? What are your life goals? These are questions that may sound like the premise for a new self-help book, but that's not why I'm bringing them up. I'm bringing them up because these are questions that I believe the scriptures would have us ask ourselves as we seek to live lives that bring honor and glory to God. I'm going to be reading for this week's episode from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, which simply say this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. This week's episode, I have to acknowledge and be full, uh, fully disclosing to all of you, uh, was a combination of of something that I wrestle with and I ask myself personally, uh, as well as something that I really felt all of us could be benefiting by asking ourselves as well. You see, I always come to Colossians chapter one around my birthday. It's almost become kind of an annual tradition for me. And recently, uh, my birthday came up um, just not too long ago. And I'm still a young guy, and uh, I, I'm grateful to God for that. But I'm, I'm getting closer to 40 now. I've got two kids, and I've been a senior pastor of a church for several years. And um, even though none of us know how much time we have ahead of us, uh, I'm not having any kind of, per se, crisis But I certainly do ask myself every year when I come to this point, I kind of stop and and, and take an introspective look at my life. And I ask myself with the Lord, where is my life at? Where is my life at in light of where I want it to be? And really, as a Christian, the question I should be asking, the question we all should be asking is, where is our lives in the light of where God is? wants us to be? Where is our Christian walk in the light of where God wants it to be? And is the time, the opportunities, the giftings that God has given each of us, are we using those things to bring glory and honor to him or are we wasting them? Are we too busy being distracted by temporal things that simply do not matter? Are we being lured into sin? Are we, are we uh, too focused on, on trivial matters that simply won't matter to keep us from focusing on those things which should matter the most? Those are the kind of things that I think all of us 
would do well to ask ourselves. And every time I hit my birthday, I always do, and I'm always drawn to Colossians chapter 1. Because I believe Colossians chapter 1 lays out the template that all of us should have when we've come to faith in Christ as kind of benchmarks, goalposts to be aiming for through the course of our lives and of our Christian walk. You know, the world tells us that what really matters, what life is all about, is seeking pleasure, seeking fulfillment, doing whatever gets you to feel happy. Um, you know, how we feel is basically the the the, uh, the the GPS that we're told we should be operating by as we go about our lives, you know. And, and of course, the world tells us that, that life is about, you know, making a name for yourself and, and it's about having enough money and it's about maybe following the American dream of, going to some kind of school and get some kind of good paying job and find someone eventually to settle down with and then you get married and then you have kids and and uh you know and whoever retires with the most toys wins and that's that's typically what we are told life is is supposed to be about but the reality is as a christian we know better than that we know that life is uh ultimately about about bringing glory and honor to god to our creator to living a life of worship to him for who he is and for all that he has done and for us as christians i believe that if we're still here on this earth it's because god isn't finished with us yet he isn't finished doing the work he wants to accomplish in our lives and he wants to use us to help advance his kingdom and his glory And yet what's so sad is that so many Christians ultimately choose a life of complacency, of comfort, of of shallowness over substance, over growing, over being stretched out of our comfort zones. You know, I've often said before, the greatest spiritual tragedy, of course, is when someone rejects Jesus Christ and refuses to accept his offer of salvation. When we refuse to uh, yield our hearts and our lives to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is ultimately going to be the greatest spiritual tragedy. But under that, under that being the greatest spiritual tragedy, as a pastor, I have to say, I think the greatest spiritual tragedy of all is when we choose to waste our lives not living for Jesus Christ, not growing in our walk with him, in our faith, and choosing to waste the time, the resources, and the opportunities and gifts that he has given us either chasing our career, chasing our personal ambitions, chasing worldly pleasures and fulfillment over the satisfaction and the contentment that comes with living our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 lays out the dilemma that every Christian should experience. In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, who was under imperial guard and he was uh, starting to think about things like dying, though he wouldn't be martyred for many more years, In chapter 1, he talks to his audience that he wrote to about how he was conflicted because on the one hand, he wished that he could be with Christ, that he could die and be with Jesus because ultimately being with Jesus, I mean, there's no comparison to being with Jesus. But then on the other hand, he felt like it was necessary to remain on earth longer so that he could continue to do the work of the Lord and helping encourage and build up the faith of those who were around him. And in that midst of that passage, the Apostle Paul utters this phrase, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And that scripture ultimately is the mantra by which all of us should be living. It almost it almost kind of makes me think of Mel Gibson as William Wallace in the epic Braveheart movie that I love so much when he said that 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 infamous quote of every man dies but not every man really lives. And and the truth is for us as a Christian, you know, uh we should be living for Jesus. We should be living to lift his name on high. And and sadly, we're wasting our lives if we're choosing not to live for him. Because ultimately, our lives are meant to be a visible display of the light, the love, and the glory of God that, that uh, should be overflowing from us as we continue to grow in a daily walk in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So every day that we live, every day that we are given is a gift by which we can uh, allow the Lord to draw us closer to him and to accomplish his work through us. Colossians 1 is an important passage because as Paul begins to write in this letter where he addresses various things, you know, when Paul starts off some of these letters in the New Testament, you can kind of get a read for the tone of the letter just based on the first chapter. Sometimes Paul is writing to a group, to a church, because he has to deliver them kind of a spiritual spanking. And, uh, you know, he calls out, you know, bad behavior and, and, and heresies that they're believing. But in his beginning of his letter to this group, he actually starts off by talking about how he had heard about how their faith ha- was growing and, and how uh, the gospel was bearing fruit through them. And so it's in in light of the fact that you guys are already going viral before there is such a thing as Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You guys are going viral for your testimony for how Jesus has saved you and of how you have strong faith in him. In light of that as the background, in light of what God has already done, that's where Paul comes in and tries to encourage them to follow this template, this prayer that he prays for them. And it's a prayer every Christian should be praying. And he lays out several things that I think are important for us to consider here in today's episode of this show. And that is, first and foremost, he said he's praying that they would all be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and understanding. And I think that that's huge, right? If there's one thing that Christians continue to wrestle with and deal with, it's what is God's will for my life? Or what is God's will about this situation or about that situation? Now, granted, for each one of you listening to this broadcast right now, to this podcast, um, all of us have a specific road that God has meant for us to walk on. And so we all deal with detailed decisions that need to be made and, 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 and detailed um, complexities that arise that are specific to us and to our situation. And obviously for those situations, it may not be so easy to discern God's will. But I do believe that prayer and, and, and really learning to listen to the Spirit and the way in which God guides by opening doors and closing doors, I think that's a, to a large extent how we are able to discern the direction we should go. But for most situations, most choices, most decisions, most dilemmas that we face in the 21st century, we can know God's will through His Word. We can know God's heart through his word. And even if specific situations that we deal with are not spelled out in the Bible, we do generally get the principles by which we can make biblically wise decisions on how to respond 
to those dilemmas and to those choices of the 21st century. The problem is, is that too few Christians are willing or or uh, ready to really get into God's word. And I see that happen over and over and over again. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And sadly, too few Christians are willing to be intentional about going after discernment so that they can be able to tell what is God's will. What does he have to say about this or about that? Many times I've had people approach me when they wrestle with different situations and uh, different decisions that they have to make. And the truth is that deep down inside, they don't want to hear what God's answer is to the situation because they want to be led by their feelings, their desires, and the pull of their flesh. And even though I will tell them, they'll say to me, well, I'm seeking God's will about this or about that, uh, you know, but I, I haven't heard from him yet. I always tell them, well, well, I got a couple of scriptures for you to check out because he has answered your question. He's spelled out what his will is about this or about that. And, uh, and, and, and they'll, they'll insist on, no, no, I'm, I'm still seeking, <laughs> I'm still trying to get confirmation. No, it's just, you want to get a different answer than what his answer is. Or sometimes we would uh, eclipse God's will as revealed in scripture with what feels right as the basis for which we can determine what God's will is. And and again, that's just simply not how it works. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, in Proverbs 4, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Now, the truth is that our hearts can easily lead us astray. And so it's important that we have spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can know God's will. And the reality is, as we get closer to the last days, of when Jesus will come, as my very first episode of this show was all about, we need discernment. Christians need to be able to distinguish truth from falsehood, right from wrong. And being able to better tell the difference with those things comes with spiritual maturity. And that's why it's so important that we daily learn to seek God, that we're spending time in his presence, that we're truly listening to his heart and, and, and sharing our heart in prayer, that we are hiding his words in our hearts every day, that we're really going to the scriptures, as well as seeking advice from uh, and input from other seasoned, mature Christians who know the Lord well. And, and learning to listen for God as he speaks in, in various ways, but he'll always confirm the truth of his word. So yeah, it's important for us to know God's will. And I'm here to tell you that most of it is, is pretty discernible if we're willing to check out what he has to say. Paul goes on in this prayer to say that he prays that we can walk in a manner fully pleasing to the Lord. And, and I think that that's an important statement. You know, in, in, in uh, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, as a Christian, when we accept Jesus Christ and his spirit comes to live within our hearts, he rewrites our will and conforms it to his will. And so when we seek to obey the Lord and do what's right, it should not be out of shame. It should not be out of fear. It should not be out of religious obligation because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. No, Jesus said the one who loves me will do what I have commanded. And the reason we will do what he commands is because we want to and because we are given the power to through his spirit. You see, we live to please God, not because we have to, but because we love to, because we love him. 
Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so out of loving God, we should and naturally will seek to please him. Again, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we delight in pleasing God. And so our prayer should be each and every day, as the psalmist said, that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, would be pleasing uh, in your sight. You know, we're told that all Christians will we'll face the judgment seat of Christ one day. And and as a Christian, though I know hell does not await me, I do know that I will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I will want to present before him my life and 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 God willing by his grace it will be a life that he can say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant, for you have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things." And so God is looking for us to be willing to fully please him, to to wholeheartedly want to please him, where we will all have areas in our lives where we will struggle, <clears throat> we will all have different uh, aspects of 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 the flesh that we wrestle with. But Jesus is looking for us to be all in, not halfway in. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and despise the other, or he'll be devoted to one and and, and not want the other. You know, the, the message there is that the Lord is looking for us when he has saved us, when he has uh, shown us his grace and his mercy, and he's given us the forgiveness of our sin, and he's given us his spirit in us. Well, out of that, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to align our will to his so that we will want for him to be pleased because at the end of the day, there is going to be an audience of one to whom we are held accountable for the lives in which we live. And that's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in Colossians 1 goes on to say that he prays that we would bear fruit in every good work. And uh, and I think that that's another important thing for us to consider. The Lord wants to see us live lives that bear fruit. And there's, there's different ways in which that, that takes place. First, of course, there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's those Christ-like characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things which are not natural, they're supernatural. What's natural is, is all the other characteristics that Paul lists in Galatians 5, those of the flesh which dominated our hearts, our minds, our thinking, and our living prior to knowing Jesus Christ. But as we have a relationship with him, the Lord works to bear fruit in our lives because Jesus said, by this people will know that you are my disciples. When we bear much fruit, people can see by the kind of fruit that's on a tree, what kind of tree it is. And similarly, even if you do not verbally mention Jesus, when they see Christ-like love and joy and peace and patience and all those other characteristics overflowing from your life, they will notice that there is indeed something different about you, which will then provide you with the authenticity to verbally share who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. The other thing to consider is that Jesus does want us to do good works. Notice the Bible is clear. We are not saved by our works, but we have been saved to do good works. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for his, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance beforehand that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship. He's working in our hearts, in our lives to mold, shape, sanctify, refine us to be vessels that can be used for noble purposes for his kingdom and for his name. And he has these opportunities for us to make a difference for Jesus 
and for his kingdom. He has these prepared beforehand in advance that we should walk in them. And so again, the choice we have to make each and every day is whether or not we are going to allow Jesus to make a difference in us so that we can make a difference for him. And lastly, Paul in his amazing prayer, Colossians 1, again, a prayer that's a, that's always been a template for me of, of, of a good introspective, reflective look at examining myself and where I'm at in my faith, in my Christian walk, in my life, in light of where I know God wants me to be, is to increase in the knowledge of God. To increase in the knowledge of God. When the Bible talks about increasing in the knowledge of God, it does not just mean that you know more Bible verses by memory and that you know more theological concepts or or anything like that. No, when the scriptures talk about you know knowing God or knowledge of God, it's 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 experiential knowledge, it's heart knowledge. And the question all of us have to ask ourselves is have we increased in our knowledge, our intimacy? our walk, our relationship, our maturity with God, who he is and the things of God since we came to him, or better yet, since he found us when we got saved. Have we grown in those things since we first came to know Christ? Or are we relatively at the same place that we were before? Because the truth is the Lord wants us to increase, not to stay at where we were, where we are, but to keep on going to keep on moving. Because living life for God and with God and for God is the ultimate adventure that anyone could possibly embark on. And it's not the kind of adventure that you ever arrive, that you ever get your your masters of 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 the knowledge of God to where you can sit on and and rest on your laurels. We never get that opportunity. We never get that option. Because the truth is, we will spend all of eternity getting to fully grasp the kindness and richness and wisdom and knowledge of God. So we'll never arrive on the brief amount of time we have here on this earth with all the other things that are beckoning for our our attention. But are we intentional about getting to grow in our knowledge and in our understanding of the Christian faith, of who God is, of what it means to follow Jesus, of what his word tells us and teaches, and in having a more thorough defense for the faith that we proclaim. These are all important things, and every aspect of this prayer, I believe, are important goals for all of us who proclaim to know Jesus Christ, to dedicate our lives to living towards, so that we can one day stand before Jesus and hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And the truth is, for me, it's never about how many jewels are in the crown or what my mansion looks like in heaven or or what Jesus puts, uh, you know, for me to be a steward over one day in eternity. I think for all of us, our motivation should simply be, I want to see a smile on my Savior's face. And I want to lead a life that is worthy in light of the sacrifice that was made for me. The sacrifice that cost him everything that was of the precious blood of the perfect Lamb of God. There's no way you and I could ever, ever repay the Lord for what he has done for us. But we sure can choose to live our lives wanting his very best and wanting to get closer to his heart so that our lives can reflect Jesus Christ and so that we can keep in mind what the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 
where he talks about how if we will be intentional, and I'm paraphrasing here, of adding to our faith, of growing in our faith, of utilizing the gifts that God has given for us, then we will not be ineffective or unproductive Christians. And the truth is that means it is possible for you to be saved, for you to go to heaven, and for you to live your life now as an ineffective and unproductive Christian. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be my legacy for eternity. And so I want to conclude as I always do at the end of every episode, the admonition from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. May you all stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.